we spend a lot of time trying to hedge uncertainty, a lot of time preparing for the future and trying to dodge worst-case scenarios. We try to set ourselves up for success, anticipating all that can go wrong and making provisions to guard against various unfavorable circumstances. While there's nothing necessarily wrong with planning for the future and nothing wrong with trying to pursue stability, we must at some point come to grips with the following. Much of what we anticipate will in fact not happen, and much will happen that we cannot anticipate. Again, much of what we anticipate will in fact not happen, and much will happen that we cannot anticipate. We are reminded in Matthew 6, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It seems sometimes that the more we plan for something, the less actually goes the way we planned it. I'm reminded of the opening frame of a movie I watched several years ago that flashed the following quote on the first screen. If you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Just about the only thing that is certain, in fact, is uncertainty. No matter how secure we are in our lives, no matter what position we hold, how much money we have, no matter what precautions we have taken in our work lives, in our personal lives, none of us can reliably know what our next 10 years will look like, what our next year will look like, what our next month, day, or even hour will look like. We may think we know, but in fact, this is a fallacy. We have created a sort of idol of our own preparedness and ability to control our own destiny. When life diverges from this narrative, we find ourselves often struggling to cope and make sense of it. On the flip side of this, we must also recognize that unexpected is not always to our detriment. Just as we cannot predict that which may affect us negatively, we also often cannot predict the blessings and good fortune that may also come our way. However, while in regards to the negative, we tend to think of ourselves as victims of circumstance, in terms of the positive, we have a tendency to attribute these good things as the rewards of our own efforts and not the abundant provision of a loving God. In fact, it is the one and same God who allows both. A quick scan of the headlines of the day reveals the duality of this uncertainty. We may read of another tragic school shooting with the senseless loss of lives of young children and in the same perusal come across a headline describing a heroic landing of a jetliner in the Hudson River. We may learn of the onset of a disease that will go on to become a global pandemic and claim the lives of many, and then also read of a miracle drug or procedure that has potential to save the lives of tens of thousands. The point is, good or bad, most is beyond our foreknowledge, and all is allowed by God. The Holy Paschal Week is a week of certain uncertainty. Think of this week from the perspective of the disciples. For the past three years, they have been called to follow Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, Jesus the God-man, Jesus the Messiah, the Logos, who was unpredictably the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
The disciples saw Jesus approach those considered to be the lowest in society and elevate and restore them to the chosen of God. They saw Jesus multiply food for multitudes, saw him cleanse lepers, restore the ability of the paralyzed to walk, create eyes for the blind out of clay and spittle, and on Lazarus Saturday, even raise a man from the dead. All of this could not have been anticipated or predicted when Christ first called his disciples to join him. These events were certainly uncertain. On Palm Sunday, the disciples saw this carpenter's son lauded and celebrated as a king entering Jerusalem. And then abruptly, things seemed to change as Jesus predicts his own death and resurrection. In Mark 8, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke this word openly. We can almost hardly blame Peter for his reaction. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Clearly, St. Peter was not prepared to hear this message, and likely the disciples could not truly understand what Christ could mean when he foretold these events. Again, more uncertainty. When we read a certainly, then we read a certainly strange account of Christ cursing a fig tree followed by a seemingly out-of-character entry into the temple to drive out money changers and tradespeople. We can only imagine uncertainty. Hi. We can only imagine, from the disciples' perspective, how all of this must have seemed. Certainly, they could not have prepared for or expected this. Is this the same man they had been following? And then the 11th hour gospel tonight, Christ delivers essentially an exposition on uncertainty. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowning of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. What follows, what follows next? Christ is hunted as a fugitive, betrayed by one of his inner circle, tried as a criminal, humiliated and jeered, flogged and executed. Just to review and put this into perspective, from Sunday to Friday, Christ goes from exalted king to an executed criminal. Expect uncertainty. Even with Christ's somewhat esoteric warnings, there is no way the disciples could have anticipated that these events, they could have anticipated these events and certainly would not have expected the Messiah, the Son of God, to be humiliated and murdered in front of them and certainly could not have anticipated what was to follow on Resurrection Sunday. Again, this is truly a week of uncertainty. So let's talk more about uncertainty and the unexpected. The reality is most of us simply do not do well with uncertainty and the unknown. And while uncertainty can serve as a training ground for our spiritual growth, Satan can also utilize uncertainty to breed anxiety, despondency, and loss of hope. 
1 Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Uncertainty, in effect, becomes a spiritual battleground. But in, loving instruction, but in loving instruction, the church gives us the armament to survive, thrive in the face of attack. It is by the grace and love of God and our church-directed immersion in the aesthetic practices that allow us to nurture our spiritual growth and strengthen our faith until we learn to actually embrace uncertainty. Reading the scripture and writing and the writings of the mothers and fathers of our church this helps us realize God's tenderness towards us, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer allows us to develop our relationship with God. We are given the Psalms, which help us to understand our relationship with God as a loving Father. Through prayer, we can enter into dialogue with our Savior and nurture the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, building our faith and reliance on the one true God that loves us. Fasting from food and pursuing silence allows us to subjugate our bodies and our will to God so that we may more easily humble ourselves in front of him, and come to understand our nothingness in the presence of his everythingness. As we strengthen our relationship with God and our trust in him and increase our understanding that we are completely dependent on him, we come face to face with our impotence. Uncertainty can change from the breeding ground of fear and anxiety into confidence and reliance in God's provision for our lives. Matthew 6 and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We come to understand uncertainty not as potential for our demise, but as an opportunity to trust God, to call upon our Savior. Faith allowed Peter to take his first steps onto the water. Uncertainty caused him to doubt and sink, but it was Christ who pulled him out of the water. Fear in the face of uncertainty pushed Peter to deny Jesus at the fireside, while cultivated faith allowed him to approach his own martyrdom. It was despondency and lack of harnessed faith, a lack of trust in the bold love of God for the repentant sinner that led Judas to take his own life. Had Judas spent his days in attentiveness towards Christ rather than siphoning from money bags and positioning himself to escape what he perceived as a sinking ship, faith would have redeemed him even in the face of his betrayal of Jesus. Lent, and particularly Pascha, is an indictment of how we spend our time and where we direct our efforts. 
We are called to invest in our relationship with God. We are encouraged to pray, to fast, to give alms, not because these are simply traditions in our church, but because these acts, when pursued in humility and love, develop and fortify our faith, so that in the face of external, internal, or spiritual uncertainty, we are able to keep our eyes above the water and with a heightened faith look to the radical and abundant love of God and know that we are covered and cared for. We can increasingly become able to look into the eye of whatever storm of uncertainty approaches us and know that our Savior is on the boat with us. We learn with time and through experience that we need to only go below deck and wake him in order to calm whatever trouble lies in front of us. We do not fear, we do not panic, because he is with us and we are his. My hope for myself and for all of us is that each year, each cycle of Lent and Pascha, we become more and more able to embrace uncertainty, not because we are hardened or because we have become better at planning, protecting, and defending, but because we have, we have realized our own impotence and come to rely solely on him. We are reminded in Proverbs to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct my, thy paths. May our walk through Holy Beska strengthen our faith and the presence of the Holy Spirit allow us to embrace uncertainty. I leave you tonight with the words of St. Pope Krolos VI. Trust that God sees you. He hears you and feels for you. So your little matters are very big before his love, and your big matters are very small before his might.